Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Bonnie. Oh, Patrick. Good morning, Patrick. Yes. <laughs> it's good to see everybody this morning. Happy Fourth of July. Happy Independence Day. Hope you all having a good one so far, and uh, have lots of plans to do lots of fun stuff today. Um, I'm so glad that you decided to uh, start your Fourth of July off at, at church. So let's all uh, let's stand to our feet, uh, prepare our hearts to hear from Him through worship, through song, and uh, again, I'm so glad to see everybody here this morning. It's just uh, it's going to be an awesome day. Let's worship together. Victory! 
Remember, you are free. 
pray together. Gracious Father, we're so grateful for who you are, for what you've done for us. Father, as we worship you today, sing of your greatness, God, I just pray that you would help us to realize that on Monday through Saturday, not just Sundays, as we worship together, as we open your word, God, that we would remember that you are great, that you are powerful, that you've done mighty things for us, and that there's a lost and dying world out there that needs to know, that needs to hear this truth, that your son was born, lived a full life on this earth, perfect life, died on a cross on our behalf, rose again victorious the ultimate sacrifice paid for sin. Help us to remember that as we go throughout our day and our week. And Father, as we open your word today, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us through your word. Your word promises that, that you would speak to us through your truth, and that the Holy Spirit would help us to understand what you're trying to tell us through your living and active word. God, we just pray. Speak to us today and pray for Heath as he brings this message, Lord, that you would speak through him. That it would be your words and not his, but your truth. And it's your truth that you've laid down through generations, and we just praise you and thank you for the truth that it is. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Happy Fourth of July and Happy, happy Independence Day. Thank you. Y'all were about as lively as the first service when I said that. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, if you're like me, uh, you had neighbors shooting fireworks the last three nights, and so you may be losing some sleep. Uh, but hey, uh, I'll try to scream every once in a while and wake you up and uh, make sure that you're awake. We do have coffee in the lobby uh, that can help with that as well. Okay. Um, but it's going to be a fun day as we go through this. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we'll be. Um, and if this is your first time, if you're new here, uh, we're so thankful that you're here. We actually have a special gift that we'd love to give you today. Um, uh, Lindsay Lane East t-shirt is waiting for you at Next Steps. If you'll just take the card from the back of the seat in front of you, fill it out with as much information as you feel comfortable with. Drop it by Next Steps on your way out. They'll hook you up with that t-shirt and also just some information about our church. And uh, we would love uh, to be able to give you that. Um, this week, we're continuing our study called Summer School. We're looking at the, mainly at the book of Ephesians and trying to figure out what are, the, what are some basic truths that we need. Uh, we need to be saturated in our heart, and we need to understand more fully and correctly to be able to live here. So we've discussed a lot of things. Recap. We've discussed the nature of God. We've discussed sin. We've discussed salvation. And then last week, we discussed salvation, uh, baptism. Baptism. So today we're kind of taking one more step in that. You can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Last week I mentioned the day that Kelly and I got married. I mentioned our wedding day, um, June 20th, 2009. Jot that down. Remember that. Send us a gift, okay? June 20th. If you, I know you probably don't remember June 20th, 2009, but I can tell you it was a hot day. <laughs> Uh, it had to be 150 heat index. I don't know if that's a thing, but it, it could have been. Uh, we were outside, and um, nowadays it's cool and fun to, like, not wear full tuxedos at your wedding. 
That was not a thing when I got married, and so uh, we had full tuxedos on outside in the 150-degree heat index, and it was hot. And a train went by. We learned that last week. Um, But before, here's the main thing I want to talk about. So before all of our family and friends and before God Almighty, Kelly and I exchanged rings, and we pledged our faithfulness to one another forever as long as we both shall live right that was that was what we made and and it was an incredibly awesome day and i have a few very vivid memories um, from that day however if you were to ask me today if we just if i run into somebody later today and say heath are you married i'm not gonna go back to 2009 to tell you about my wife oh well let me tell you a story about june 20th um 2009 uh Athens state I'm not going to go into the details of my marriage. What I'm going to tell you, when you ask me if I'm married, I'm going to remember yesterday, right? As we laid on a blanket under a tree in my front yard while the kids ran circles and ran crazy, right? Like just resting. Um, the swimming party that we threw for ourselves last week. Uh, my aunt and uncle were out of town and they have a pool. And so we know how to get in. And... Uh, <laughs> And it was just us. Like, we thought about, like, trying to invite a bunch of people over since they don't know. Um, but we just decided just to swim at night just with us. And it was so much fun just to spend time with, uh, be in the pool with, with just the four of us and spend time. Anyway, those are the things I do. Listen, a plethora of other memories would come to my mind because I live as her husband every day. However, I think too many people when they're asked, are you a Christian? They don't talk about yesterday. They don't talk about last week. They carry you back. Ah, yeah, when I was 10 years old, I got saved at a little country church in the woods. 15, 23 years old, whatever the case. If that's the first thought that comes to your mind, praise God, it's awesome, it's cool. However, what I have seen is what, just from my experience, when I ask people that conversation and they tell me about their salvation uh, that happened a long time ago, what often happens The reason they're doing that is because there's been so little interaction with God since then. We got saved at 10, got saved at 15, we got saved at 23. And honestly, that's the last time I can tell you that I've had a major interaction with God. You're hanging all of your Christianity on a moment that happened a long time ago. What's missing in their life is a Christian walk. Right? A Christian walk, that's as cliche and churchy of a word as I could come up with, right? But what's interesting, I, I'd heard the term Christian walk growing up over and over again until I was probably tired of it. But I did not know until we started to, studying through the book of Ephesians years ago um, that it's actually a biblical term, right? Like in the book of Ephesians, Paul says over and over again, be careful how you walk. In fact, we're going to look at four different ways he says we should walk today in the book of Ephesians. Um, and he, he gives us four things. So that's what we're going to talk about today is the walk, the walk. So I'm going to read Ephesians chapter four, verse one. I'm going to pray and then we're going to come back and talk about uh, what's going on. Ephesians four, verse one. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Um, God, that your word is 100% true. And God, uh, we do thank you for our salvation. Uh, God, we know apart from that, we cannot be in your presence. But God, we also, God, I thank you um, that you didn't just leave me that day. 
but God, that you stand ready to have an ongoing relationship with me through my walk daily. And so, Father, I pray today as we discuss what this should look like, uh, from the book of Ephesians, I pray that you give us clarity of mind, help, use the Holy Spirit, God, to help us. And uh, God, I pray that you would teach us to know you today and be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this is the verse. This verse is the first time we see Paul use the term walk when he's talking about Christian life. However, if you remember back to week two, week two, Patrick preached on sin. And uh, he began that sermon by talking about the book of Ephesians and how it's really the, the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus for the first half focuses on one thing, the second half focuses on the other. If you remember that, um, uh, Patrick was telling us that the first three chapters of this, the first half of this letter really focus on how we should think about God and him bringing us salvation. It's really a, it's really a theology of salvation in the way that we think. The second half of the book, chapters 4 through 6, second half of this letter, really is about what we should do about it. If this is true, then what should we do? It's about what we do about our salvation. And uh, um, if you remember, Patrick said this uh, on the second week, Ephesians 4 verse 1 sits as the transition. Because what's the very first word of verse 1? Therefore, right? Because of everything that I've said up to this point in this letter, church, therefore, I urge you, walk worthy of the calling you have received. Um, this is where we're going. So Paul, Paul spends a significant time in chapters 4 through 6 explaining ways that we are to walk. Four ways. I'm going to go on and give them to you in case you fall asleep, okay? Because I know it's 4th of July and y'all struggling, okay? Here they are. Walk in, uh, walk in unity. Walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom, okay? Those are the four things we're going to look at. No more of an introduction. Let's dive in. Number one, walk in unity. Uh, I'm going to read the first six verses of Ephesians 4. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. So Paul says that to walk worthy of the calling, and then he describes what it should look like. I'm going to give you three things that Paul says here. Yes, we have four points and subpoints. Bear with me. We will get done in time for you to grill. I promise, okay? Notice some things that Paul, everything he says in these first six verses have to do with unity in the church. The first thing he says is to be lowly and gentle. And I'm just going to tell you, pastoral uh, confession time. I'm not always gentle and lowly in dealing with conflict in the church. Okay? Like, come at me. Right? That's how I feel sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm quick to puff up my chest and try to, try to win a disagreement or win an argument with people, even in the church. And I think... If you would admit and stop looking down your nose at me, you the same way, right? When somebody comes at you, you're not always, well, let's just calmly, I'll take the low position. No, some, there's a sinful nature within us that makes us want to fight and win an argument. And your pastor's no different. But Paul says here, walk in, to walk in unity as the church means we must be focused on lowliness and gentleness. That's the, there's a natural sinful reaction, but as Christians, we cannot be content to remain this way. 
We've got to seek lowliness and gentleness towards other believers and quit making excuses that everybody's that way. The second thing Paul says is to have patience. Have patience. All right? So somebody keeps messing up, doing the wrong thing over and over again, keeps just making you mad. Uh, it's easy for me to blow up. It's easy for me to, to get mad, right? It's easy for all of us to do that. But aren't you glad, church, that God was patient with you? Man, aren't you glad? I mean, if God had written me off the first or the second time that I sinned against him or the 14,000th, millionth, whatever time, I'd have been done. But God continued to be patient with me. And if the character of God we serve and the Savior Jesus Christ, if their character involves patience, then you and I have got to strive for it too. And I did this in the first service, I'll do it here. To pray for, the idea to not pray for patience is not a biblical idea. You know that, right? I was telling the first service, I've literally like been chewed out at a hospital. Right, because there's somebody going in for surgery, or somebody's really struggling with some health stuff, and I prayed with the family, and I was like, you know, just God, just help them to be patient. Pray that you give them patience. They're like, you prayed for us to have patience. You're not supposed to do that. What are you, lowly and gentle, lowly and gentle? It's like that's not a thing. If you don't have patience, you sure as well ought to pray for it. Right? Like, pray for patience. Pray for it. This is what we got. If you don't have it, then we need to pray for it. The character of God includes patience. We who call him Father should have that character trait as well. And we've got to strive to, to have it. And we need to pray for it. And the third thing he says is bearing with one another in love. I can, I can bear with one another for the, with the best of I think it's a, I think it's a parenting term. Um, there's some nights that we go to bed, especially when we had two toddlers in the house. My kids are only two years apart. There are a lot of times that we went to bed, and at the end of the day, and we were just like, we just, we, we got through that day. You know what I mean? And that was a, that was a good thing, like to survive some days um, as a parent, and, and not just with parents. Sometimes your day at work, right? You may not come home and think, that was just an awesome day. We had, had such a great, you just, you just survived it. I mean, sometimes that's the case. And, but when Paul says bear with one another in the church, he's not talking about that because he continues to say in love. So Paul's not saying just survive this life, live near one another, coexist with one another. That's all that God wants. Paul says to bear with one another in love. Here's the difference. The best, the best way for me and my wife, in all honesty, to not have an argument is what? For her to lock herself in one room and me lock myself in the other, right? Like, we won't fight all day. But is that unity? Right? To be separated from will lead to a lack of fighting. But God has not called us to separate ourselves from one another in the church to cease fighting. He's called us to live here and yet to continue to cease fighting. And so in the church, God has called us to be here. And, and so I'll just tell you, if we're if to walk in unity, unity is not a lack of fighting. Unity is living together and working through difficulties. And so if you're living on the margins of church, of this church, if you're living on the margins, living outside, you may have a robust relationship with God personally. Praise be. 
But you cannot walk in unity in the church unless you are connected here. You've got to be living here with other people. If that hits you and you go, I think he's talking to me. Um, hey, I've got a great opportunity for you. Today at 3 o'clock at the Normans. Uh, they've invited everybody over to their house. Um, I can tell you where it is. Uh, we, can, we can show you that. Slides right up here. Um, but we, we, you, we, you've been invited to go there and to rub shoulders with other people in the church and to be there and to just hang out at the Norman's house. Just an invitation from them to you. If you say, hey, man, I, 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 I've been living on the margins and I need to get connected to what's going on, then just go hang out at the Norman's house. There's going to be a lot of church people there. We, they would love to have you there. It's a great opportunity for you to begin to, to live in closeness. And we got other stuff coming up this month, too. Events.lindsaylaneast.org. All right. Um, after, after Paul gives these descriptions of the church, of the Christians walk in unity, he gives a few pieces why. You notice that? So after he says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the, through the bond of peace, then he says this. There is one body and one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Paul is going on to say he's, he's focusing on oneness. And I want to make this connection for you in case you missed it. There is one Lord Jesus Christ. There is one Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And there is one Father who is the creator of all things. And church, here's what you need to know. The same God that created you created that person you can't stand. You know that, right? The same blood that Jesus shed to redeem you is the same blood that was shed over that coworker that you're just frustrated with, that family member, right? The same spirit that fills you to fills all the people that frustrate you, right? We need to recognize that. That's what Paul is saying. Christian, listen, God has called you as a believer to walk in unity because you share a oneness with others. And you don't get a pass just because they're annoying. You don't get a pass just because they're, they're frustrating. You don't get a pass because the, we have one God, one, uh, one Lord, and one Spirit. Let that truth change the way we feel, but also uh, what we do. Um, second thing. Walk in love. Not only walk in unity, but walk in love. It's Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial, fragrant offering to God. I mean, it's a beautiful picture, a reminder of what Christ did for us. But did you catch it? He says, walk in love. And if I were to take a show of hands and say, how many of you are walking in love today? A lot of you probably raise your hands, and I might too if I hadn't read the rest of the verse. Because he says, walk in love. And he, see, here's the deal with love love is, a, love is subjective. Right? Love is subjective. Do you love your family? That's where you're supposed to say yes. Um, some of y'all struggling. Um, <laughs> you love your family, okay? Do you love your family more than I love my family? Probably, Kathy <laughs> said. Right, it's subjective, like what does love mean? But then whenever I start saying, okay, here's an example of love. Do you love people this much? Right, That's what Paul does here. Paul says, walk in love 
as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. See, love is easy to say you love somebody until you start putting a standard on it, until we start measuring it. And that's what Paul says here. Paul says, walk in love. And let me give you a great example of what I mean by that. As Christ has loved us and gave himself for us. Now that becomes intense, doesn't it? It sounds like a little happy, happy, clappy walk in love. But then he says, as Christ also loved us. We're not just to love others. We're to love them so much that we would give anything for them. Who do you love that way? Who do you love that way? And I'll be honest. My own, in my own heart, it's easy for me to say my family. But I want to challenge you. This is talking about the church, not your family. I'm talking about your spouse. I'm talking about your kids. I'm talking about your mom and daddy, your grandma, your cousin, your aunt, and your uncle. When Paul says, walk in love as Christ has loved us, he is speaking to a broken church in Ephesus. Imperfect. So if the only people that you love sacrificially share your DNA, and I'll argue you're not walking in unity, the church. Put a mirror up. Speaking to myself, don't get mad at me. We've got to begin to love people the way that Christ has loved us. Love people sacrificially. That's an area you can work on to stop making excuses. Walk in the way that Christ has called you to as a believer. Christ is our measuring stick for this. And if you need practice, there's no better way to love others than to serve others. I promise you this is the last promotion. (laughs) This Saturday. Um, we're going to be at Harvest Elementary. Um, and I really can't think of a better way for you to practice loving others than by serving others. We're going to be at Harvest Elementary painting and pressure washing and cleaning and doing all kind of stuff. And here's how, here's how big my God is. Uh, two or three months ago, we reached out to Mr. Uh, Mr. Gunnels and said, hey, can we come and do a work day at your school? Just give us a list of stuff. We'll do whatever we can. And he said, sure, that'd be awesome. Me and Kenny go last week to meet with Mr. Gunnels, the principal. And we also meet with the, the, the lead custodian maintenance guy. Well, come to find out, guy had kidney cancer and had just had his kidney removed. Like, well, he just came back to work like two weeks ago. And so this, like, as God laid it on our heart to reach out to Mr. Gunnels to do something here, he's dealing with cancer. He has his kidney removed. He's recovering for like six weeks or whatever. And then he comes back to work. Y'all... I don't know about you, but if I lay out of work for six weeks, what you going to be missing? You're going to have a lot of stuff to make up on, ain't you? And so for this guy, it, the, he, he was so pumped. So God sovereignly, I believe, worked in our lives to hook us up with harvest because he knew what it was going to happen. And so now we're going to be able to help them not just catch up, not just to make his life easier, okay? We're not just taking some weight off of the off of the, the, the custodial staff and the, we're doing stuff that would not get done this Saturday if we don't show up and do it. The kids will be coming in, there's still gonna be cobwebs everywhere and there'll be walls that need to be painted. That's the God that we serve, y'all. And so this Saturday, if you need to practice what it looks like to walk in love, please show up eight AM at Harvest Elementary. We would love to see you uh, there. If you can't come at eight, you can come later. Whatever, just come by. We'll be there till probably two or so. Come, we're gonna feed you lunch. Um, you can't get a better deal than that. All right. Uh, 
Thirdly, Paul says, walk in light. This is Ephesians 5, 8-14. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul begins with a good reminder to all of us. Uh, I've been a Christian for a long time, and here's what I know. Uh, I forget sometimes how dark and broken I was. The further I get from my salvation moment, it's easy for me to think I'm a pretty good dude. But Paul says here, remember, you were once in, he doesn't say in darkness, notice that. He doesn't say, for we were all once in darkness. He says, you were darkness. You wasn't just hanging out in it. You were it. <laughs> darkness was you. Were you consumed by it? The Bible talks about us being in darkness. But here Paul says, we were darkness. Never forget that you were once a nasty, filthy sinner separated from God for all eternity. Until God stepped in and saved your sorry tail. And you ain't got nothing to do with it. It's all Him. God saved you when you couldn't save yourself. For those of us who are Christians, our darkness doesn't define us anymore. That's what Paul says. Paul says we have been made light. Again, Paul doesn't use the phrase in the light, as the Bible often does. He says we are light. What does light do? Light dispels darkness. Like that's the like why do you have a flashlight at home? Now you may carry a flashlight in your car to smack somebody with. Because that's always like a big one, like a big mag light. That's always good too. But the most, the main reason why we carry a flashlight is in case we encounter darkness. Right? That's what a light does. A light dispels darkness. And in this world, can we all say an amen that the world is dark? Right? Amen. It is dark. But God has not just given us light. He has made us light. And we are in the world. God has made us in Christ to be light here on this earth, not just to hang out around darkness. You realize that, right? When you cut your flashlight on, it doesn't. the light that comes from it doesn't hang around darkness. Like it shoots through it, right? And so many Christians are hanging out in the corners, in the margins of life, in the, in the dark corners, and trying to shine their light every once in a while like into the corner and then just... But God has called us to shine light into the world. Light is shined into darkness. That The Bible says the darkness goes away. <clears throat> Let's begin to live our lives. Let's walk in light. Let's walk among the people of darkness and shine light into their lives and allow God to change them. Walk in unity. Walk in love and shine your light. The fourth thing is walk in wisdom. Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. So last way, this is the last time Paul uses the term walk, 
Then he says to walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. And there's a whole sermon found in these passage, in this passage. Um, but we're just going to focus on two things. First thing Paul says is don't waste time. Don't waste time. He says the days are evil, so don't waste time. Use your time wisely, Paul says. And then he, said, he gives us some examples. He says, don't waste time getting drunk on wine or add in whatever other beverage you would like. Don't waste, that's time waster. Leads to reckless living. He says, instead, get drunk on the spirit. That's the analogy here. Don't get drunk on wine. Be filled with the spirit and not spirits, right? Okay. Spirit. That's the, that's the, that's the text. And then he also says, don't waste, uh, and this is, I'm using a little bit of freedom here. Uh, don't waste so much time singing about trucks and women. Instead, sing songs that bring glory and honor to the God who saved you, right? It doesn't mention anything about trucks and women, but it does tell us how we should use our time. And here's the deal. Um, it says speaking to one another in this way. Um remember that worship songs were not you know christian music and worship music was not designed to be in your car that's okay but songs that honor and glorify god were meant to be sung in this place to and with one another and so if the only time that you sing and bring glory to god's name is when you're by yourself and when you come in here you act all quiet and shy because you don't want anybody to hear you singing it's disobedience, baby. It's disobedience. Walk to walk in wisdom is to sing to one another about the glorious grace and mercy of our Savior, giving thanks to God and doing it among God's people. Paul also says, Don't waste your time arguing with one another. Use the little bit of time we have to submit to one another. Submit to one another in the church. And do it out of a love and a fear of Christ. So, if the days are evil and time is short, we've got to be about God's business. We must be focused on the things of God and not the world. But so often our lives are consumed with time wasters. So, chew on that. The second movement we see in that passage is, to, he says, understand the will of the Lord. So, this is a great text. Paul says, don't be unwise. And the way he defines that is understand what God wants. So the question then becomes, what is the will of God for your life? I'm finna help y'all. We had 70 people, 70 something people in the first service, and I told every single one of them what God's will for their life was. That's pretty, that's something, isn't it? Find that somewhere else today. Go some other church and find that today. I'm going to do it. We're going to do it. Because the Bible speaks often. You look high and low and you can study all the passages that speak about the will of God. And you're going to find specific instances where the Bible is speaking at a situation and saying, this is the will of God in this situation. But there's no passage in all my studying where I found a clearer picture of what this looks like. And it's 1 Thessalonians 4.3. And Paul uses, he says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the will of God for you, your sanctification. 
Paul uses God's will synonymously with this very, very churchy word, sanctification. Okay, so I'll tell you what it means. For the sake of time, it can be summed up this way. Making you look like Jesus. That's what sanctification means. It's making you look like Jesus. It's the lifelong process that God is going to use to fix you. Fix everything that was broken about you because of sin. God's going to do that. He's going to, and if, if, if this is the ultimate will for your life, then God's going to use every single moment to bring it about. I'll give you some examples. He's going to use the boring times. If I had a dollar for every time my kids say they're bored, could not. You're five and seven, like, make an imaginary friend. You know what I mean? Like, you have this, cre- like, you're at the peak of your creativity. Like, just have, anyway, I'm getting off on that. God's going to use the boring times. He's going to use the happy times. He's going to use the sad times. He's actually going to use the devastating times. He's going to use the good times and the bad. All of that, every moment of your life is an opportunity for God to shape you more into the image of Christ. Walking in wisdom, Paul says, is not wasting time, but also understanding that God has one plan for you. You looking like Jesus. And I'm going to argue that we get all caught up in all the details surrounding that. Should I take this job or that job? Right? Should I buy this house or that house? Should I go here or go there? Tacos or hamburgers? That's what I struggle with. Taco Bell or KFC, and then they put them in the same place. You're like, oh, now I really don't know. Um, Anyway, you get some of both. It's all good. We get so caught up in all the details, and I'm not saying that those decisions are not important. However, Is it wise to stress over them? I think Paul's saying no. When I was in student ministry, um, I noticed a lot of high school graduates don't know what they want to do when they graduate. Okay? Any of y'all just say, that was me. I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. Hey, you're not alone. What I found in student ministry, there's more and more. More and more kids are graduating. Now, those people, if you take everybody who doesn't know what they're going to do when they graduate, there's two different categories within that group. Okay? There's some of them that just haven't thought about it. Right? That may be some of y'all. Like, what are you going to do when you graduate? I don't know. I may get a job. or I might go to school. Have you registered for any? No, no. You applied for any jobs? No. It's going to be tough. (laughs) I might just stay home. I might be a YouTuber. You know what I mean? Like, that's a thing now. You can be a YouTuber. Maybe that's what they're going to do. But anyway, um, but there's a whole other group. There's a whole group of people that say, I don't, know, I don't know what I'm going to do because I just haven't thought about it or I don't care or whatever. There's a whole nother group, and I think they're sitting in our churches, that are graduating high school, and they're so caught up and so stressing out over every decision that is laying before them. They've lived for 18 years to this point and haven't had to make a lot of decisions in life. And they're faced with some, a lot of big ones all at one time. We had a, we had a girl um, that we were ministering to. She was in our youth group. And she was so stressed out because she didn't know if God wanted her to go to UAH or UNA. 
And like I can remember, like Kelly and I both having conversations with her, and she was so like just distraught, and like she was staying up late at night, and she was praying and praying and praying, and she so tore up. And it was a very spiritual conversation. Like she wasn't, you know, trying to figure out where the hottest dudes were. Like this was literally a spiritual battle that she was having. And I can remember sitting her down one night, and I read to her First Thessalonians four three. It's the will of God for you, your sanctification. Then I asked her. Could you honor God at UNA? She said, yeah. I said, could you honor God at UAH? She said, yes. I said, could you honor God more at either one of them, or are they about the same? She said, I guess they're probably about the same. I looked at her, and with the most spiritual sense I could, I said, pick one. (laughs) Just pick one. Put a love. Just, right? Because in that moment, I don't know. I don't, I think God, I think, I think the answer to her prayer was there. I think God was using me to say, stop being consumed with unfruitful worry and thoughts. At the end of the day, focus on your sanctification. And if, if, if you're faced with two choices and neither one of them looks more God honoring than the other one, then I don't know if God's sitting on pins and needles waiting to see which one you're going to choose. And I've seen this in my own life and I've seen it just wreck. Uh, families and, and young kids and teenagers especially, the worry begins to overshadow the good things that God wants to do in your life. Paul says, walk in wisdom. That means to understand that God's will for you is that you look like Jesus above everything else. More than God wants me to be a good pastor, God wants me to look like Jesus. More than God wants me to be a good husband, he wants me to look like Jesus. A good daddy, look like Jesus. A good neighbor, look like Jesus. Over every single thing in your life, that's God's will for you, to sanctify you. And to understand that, Paul says, is to walk in wisdom. Paul's given us a lot to think about. He said walk in unity, walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. What does that mean for us? Last point I made was that God wants you to look like Jesus. And I think there are three, three, three groups of people in here today uh, in relation to that. Person number one, you're at a good place in life. You're following God. Um, you're, you're, you're reading your Bible. You're studying. You're, you're, you're singing psalms and hymns. and You're doing all the things, walking in all four of the ways that we talked about. Man, praise God for you. That's awesome. God's probably using you in interactions at work. He's using you in, in relationship to your children, He's, or your family, or your, your neighbors, right? He's using everyday things to help shape you. And if that's you, like, keep it up. Keep going. Stay after it. As a church, we want to help you take next steps. Here's what I need you to know. You ain't, you ain't there yet. No matter where you are, no matter how close to it, when you look around here and you go... A whole lot better than these deadbeats. Whatever the case, like you're not there yet. The the time is over when you look like Jesus. You're not there yet. So as a church, we want to help you take next steps in your walk with God. And sometimes those are little baby steps, but sometimes those are big steps. Like like being baptized. Man, we talked about that last week. Uh, we're we're still working through three or four other people that that haven't been baptized yet that have told us, hey, I think that's something I'm wrestling with. 
If that's you today, we'd love to talk with you. If you'd, if you'd like to join a group or start serving in the church or even join this church, man, that's the conversations that we want to have with you to help you take next steps. But keep after it. Person number two, you and God are not on good terms. Um, you're in a place where you're running from God. You, uh, you may come to church and look good on Sundays, but you're not focused on becoming more like Him every day. I beg of you, write that relationship today. Write it today. God's going to make you into the image of Christ as a believer. I believe whether you want to or not. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, he's now in ministry serving the Lord faithfully. But he ran from God in college. And guess what God did? He brought it all crumbling down. And brought him to a place of surrender. A re-surrender. And now he's in ministry. I've seen God use tons of things that are terrible that we all want to avoid in our lives to bring us where he wants us to be, to make us look more like Jesus. And God's done that in my life. God's done used difficult times in my life. But my, mine and my wife's goal as a family is to, to cooperate with the will of God as much as we can. <laughs> I know God's going to make me look more like Jesus, but I want to, I want to, I want to help him. <laughs> like I want to do it in, in good ways. I want to serve him. I want to love him. I want to follow him and not the only opportunities God has to grow me is is in ways that are just terrible to live through. I've seen so many people do that. I, let's strive to grow in your marriage with Him. Strive to grow as a believer. Try to strive to be a better dad in Christ. Stop depending on a salvation that happened years ago. Write new stories of your faithfulness to God, like this week. Right? At the end of this week, that's a good goal for you. Have something that you can look back on. And when somebody asks you, if somebody asks you next Saturday, are you a Christian? You can tell them, dude, let me tell you about an encounter I have with God this week. And it's not, well, when I was 10, the pastor played just as I am, right? That's not the invitation song. Don't worry. But person number one, you're at a good place. Keep doing it. Let us help you. Number two, you're not in a good place. Begin to strive to to write new stories of God's faithfulness in your life. And number three, um, you may not look anything like Jesus because you've never come to him for salvation. You've never surrendered your life to Christ. This morning, I'd love to share with you how you can. I'd love to talk with you about how Jesus died on the cross for you and made a way for you to be made right. When when you couldn't save yourself, Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I would love to explain to you the gospel and, and help you trust in him. So we're going to have a, a time of response to sing, to come to the altar. Uh, worship team is going to come on up. Uh, you can pray. Here's the deal. Um, you may just have some burdens on your heart. You may want to come pray at this altar. That's open for you. Um, you may want to pray about some needs that are going on in your life or the lives of somebody else. You want to pray for broken relationships. Come. This altar is open and available for you. If you need uh, to come talk to me about any decisions, any of those next steps we talked about, we'd love to talk with you about that. We'll also have decision counselors by the back door. We want to help you take the next steps. Walk in unity, walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. Amen? I'm going to say a word of prayer. After I say amen, let's stand, and you can respond however God leads. Father, we thank you, God, that... um, that this, uh, that this life isn't just one and done for us as Christians, that, uh, God, we get saved and then we can just live however we want. 
God, in your word, you've called us to, to walk a particular way. God, I know a lot of my life hasn't looked that way. And God, I'm thankful for your patience and for your grace towards me and your mercy. But God, I pray that this week, the week after, the week after, the week after, God, that you would help me through your power to live for you, to walk in wisdom and love and light and unity. God, help us today to be obedient to what you're calling us to. For those that uh, just need to take some next steps, God, for those that are, are running from you, pray that turn back. God, those that may need to trust in you for the first time today, I pray that they, you give them the courage to go talk to somebody. Come talk to me. I thank you, God, for saving me and continuing to grow me and make me more into the image of Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Church, you stand and you can respond however God leads you today.
you have a seat really quick? Uh, just a few announcements you want to know today. Hopefully you got a new bulletin. A bulletin looks a little new. Uh, thank goodness for change, right? A little easier. we got a website there that's super easy uh, for you to look at. All of our events are coming. Uh, we can keep them loaded that way. Hopefully you can stay, we can stay on top of it. Uh, don't forget today, the Normans at 3 o'clock, you've all been invited. Uh, even this Wednesday, don't miss this Wednesday. Our worship team has put a lot of work in. Uh, it is a night of worship, but you're going to get to hear from those folks, a lot of people that don't usually get a mic uh, to talk. Uh, you're going to get to hear their hearts. You want to come back for that this Wednesday. Uh, even our serve day is next Saturday. East 101 is next Sunday. Uh, we got a lot of things rolling through, so just uh, be a part of those things. Uh, even the next Sunday is our fun day at Camp Helen. So all those things are out there, uh, but stay on top of those. Be involved, um, and let's just keep, serving, just keep serving the community. So it's a great time to be here. Always ways to give. Uh, blue bucket in the back. You can still mail it. We still got an online giving tab, and you can also still text to give. All those options are still there. We appreciate your faithfulness uh, in giving. I'll pray again. Happy Fourth of July. Be careful today. Uh, I said it in the first service. You don't have to be doing nothing crazy. Somebody else can. Uh, so just be careful uh, today. So let's pray, and y'all have a good day. Father God, thank you again for today. God, thank you for your word. Uh, what was shared, God, thank you for worship. Just be with us today as we do leave, God, and we. Uh, Celebrate the holiday, dear God, in all different ways, God. I pray we stay safe, stay smart, God, and just be with us uh, through the rest of the day, God, and just keep people, keep reaching people for you. Uh, be with us in your now, pray. Amen.